So some of you are going to immediately ask me, well, why didn't you tell me that beforehand, before I got up all early and got here? Uh, well, it's 1130. It's not that early. So I'm just going to tell you this right now. Uh, you may have heard me say this, but it's OK if I repeat it. But I think it's time that we stop going to church. Now you tell me, right? <laughs> but let me explain. Before I explain, let me remind you of something else that. Uh, in Scripture, in the Jewish tradition, and particularly in, in the Old Testament, as we see, uh, your name is important, right? Your name is not just how you are identified. Your name is a reminder for the world and for yourself. Your name is a sign of who you are, what you are, and even a bit about what your purpose in life is. Your name is your witness, so I want to introduce to you or reintroduce to you three people, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now, you may not remember these three people, but here's what their names mean. Here is what their purpose and their witness is. Hananiah, his name is Yah has been gracious or God has been gracious. Mishael is who is what. El is, or who is what God is. And Azariah is, Yah has helped, or God has helped. Now, most of us don't remember these three people, but these are the three people who were thrown into the fiery furnace. You may not remember Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, but I bet you remember who? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I told some of you this morning, I'm doing my very best not to reference VeggieTales, because I love me some VeggieTales, y'all. And if you watch the VeggieTales version of this story, you're not going to be able to get it out of your minds. But I will remind you that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are not their real names. Their names were changed when they were drafted into the king's court. And there's so many other things you could say about why that happened, how it happened. But here's what we'll say today to suffice for us to move along. As they were drafted into the king's court... They were brought into a foreign place, a foreign culture, and they were instructed to learn the ways of this other culture, to learn what was important to this culture, and even to make this culture their own. Now, they did an excellent job at a lot of things, but if you read through Daniel, you realize these three young men and Daniel himself they didn't do a good job of making that culture their own, and for very good reasons. Now, I imagine that for these three today, they remembered who they were before somebody else called them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I imagine that they remember that my name is Yah has been gracious. I think he remembered that my name is who is what God is. I think they remember my name is God has helped. I think they remember because one day the king decides that he is going to put on a big spectacle. So he erects a huge statue. What do I have here? 90 feet high by nine feet wide. 
And as a part of this spectacle, as he, as he puts the statue up, there's a great fanfare. There's all kinds of music, all kinds of things happening. And the king says at the highest point of all of this music, what everyone has to do is bow down before this statue and worship. Well, you just read this story. Our three friends didn't do a very good job of showing their loyalty to the king. Because that's what the king wanted. I'm going to put up this big statue. It's going to cost me a lot of money, but it's going to serve a good purpose. It's going to give you a chance to worship. It's going to give you a chance to show your loyalty to me. And our three friends didn't follow along. And, of course, when the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, finds this out and realizes, because they get ratted out, because, you know, how people can be sometimes, they're always looking to rat somebody out. Amen? Hmm. Did you hear about one? No, 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 no. Gossip, right? But somebody tells the king that, you know, you've, king, you've told us all to do this, and everybody's ready to do this except for these three people. And the king is furious, and he brings the three men in. And then, I don't know, maybe he's being gracious. Maybe he recognizes that they've done some good and that they're, they're good young men. They have potential and all that business. He says, look, I've told you that you with everyone else have to bow down. You haven't done that. I'm going to give you one more chance. If you're ready, when you hear that it's time, you bow down and worship my statue, me, just like everybody else. But if you don't, Immediately, immediately, you're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. Man, I wish I'd get my kids to listen to me like that. Immediately, right? You don't do it. Immediately, this is what's going to happen. Now, he threatens to throw them in the fiery furnace. And and I think up to this point, their resolve is already firm. They are already prepared. But his next sentence, I think, makes them even stronger. He says he threatens to throw them into fiery furnace. And then he asks, who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? I imagine them standing there thinking, you don't know my real name, do you? You don't know who I am. And you for sure don't know who my God is. This is what they say to the king. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve, hello, is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not. You know, sometimes God didn't always try to work things out the way you want them to. See, when things are going our way, praise the Lord. And as soon as something happens we don't like. But they say, but even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Take that. You see, I think they remembered what their names were. I think they remembered who they were, whose they were, and more importantly, they remembered who God was, their God. The king wanted them to bow down and to worship him, but they knew that their worship 
only belonged to God. They understood that they had no choice only to worship God. They knew that God had been gracious. They knew that there wasn't any God out there like their God. They knew that God had helped them. They didn't just know it. Somebody didn't just tell it to them. They had already, at this point, probably experienced it. It was who they were. And so when the king says, all you have to do, all you have to do is bow down and worship something else, they say, no, we don't even know how to do that. Because that's not the God we serve. Our worship only belongs to God. So I have a question for you this morning. Who does our worship belong to? Excuse me, let me ask another question. Who does your worship belong to? That's easy to say in here, isn't it? You see, this story isn't about some statue. Or if you're watching VeggieTales, it's not about some bunny. You have to go watch VeggieTales. you got to. It's a great song. It's not about a statue. It's about our worship of God and what our worship of God really is. It's easy for us to look at this old story and say, man, it's an old children's story. I think I heard this in Sunday school. It's so cute. And as you hear that story, you know, I would never, I would never bow down before some big statue. That's silly. Those people would have been silly to do that. Don't ridicule those people for worshiping a statue. Because if I were to say that in part worship is what we give our allegiance to, if worship in part is what we give our commitment to, If worship in part is what we give our time and our efforts to, well, then, sisters and brothers, some of us can worship some things just as silly as a big old statue. I can understand you not wanting to amen that one. (laughs) You see, what I want you to see from this story today is that nothing kept these three men from worshiping God. Nothing. Not the fact that everybody else was doing it. Not the fact that they were threatened. Nothing could keep them away, excuse me, keep them from serving, worshiping their God. And I think in part it's because they understood that worship is not a matter of place. It's not a matter of circumstance. It's not a matter of preference. It's certainly not a matter of comfort. Worship is a matter of our heart before our God. Now, if you're into writing stuff down from sermons, I want you to write that. So I'm going to repeat it. Worship is a matter of our heart before our God. And at the center of our worship is God. That sounds so easy. That sounds so basic. But when I tell you that the center of our worship of God, what I need you to understand is God is at the center of everything we do. Not our music. Not our buildings, not our way of doing things, not our likes, not our dislikes, not even our comfort. God is at the center of our worship. I want you to realize that if you say, if we fall into saying something, oh man, uh, I can't worship if we don't sing this, or I can't worship if it's not at this time, I can't worship. I want you to realize that's a whole lot of stuff about you. Not God. And I'm being, I'm being very serious. I, I have, I've heard people tell me. Uh, so one of our churches, 
long, 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 long story I won't get into, but uh, they built a gym, essentially, and they worshiped in the gym. Well, in the gym, they didn't use pews, they used chairs. And I had people tell me, well, this isn't our real worship. This is just going to get us through until we can really worship with our pews again. What? What? If you need a pew to worship God, pew on you. Same church. Of course, it was a gym. We didn't have stained glass windows. You know what they said? Well, it's in our real church. It's in real worship yet. One day we're going to be in our real church, and then we're really going to get to worship because we'll have our stained glass windows. If you're putting power into a stained glass windows, friends, we have a word for that. Idolatry. Y'all with me? Because <laughs> worship isn't about a place. It's not about a style. It's not about what you like or dislike. Now, I'm not saying any of those things are bad. Don't misunderstand me. But do those things matter most? Of course not. But when they do matter most, when we talk more about those things than we talk about God, what we're doing is we're flipping the script into a way it was never meant to be told to begin with. You know who those things matter most to? to us and at the center of our worship is not us it's God so believe it or not sisters and brothers you can go to a worship service and not really worship at all it happens all the time now you can stand at the right time you can sing the songs and you can sit quietly but you know what I figured out we can train robots now to do things like that Right? Science is doing some great things. You can train robots to do pretty much anything. I could get a, a robot to come in here and to know when to stand up, when to sit down, to when to open a book, when to turn and pretend to like your neighbor. I can teach a robot to do all that kind of stuff. What makes you different than that? What's supposed to make us different is that the heart of what we do is God. The heart of who we are is our worship of God. So from time to time, I ask people, hey, why do you go to church? And, you know, not even just really this church. Why do you go to church? And <laughs> some of the more common responses, and, and I'm, I'm not I'm just telling you what I hear, okay? You can do what you, what you want. But some of the more common responses I get is, well, <laughs> in so many words, she made me come. Um, you know. uh, some other people say, well, you know, it's just part of what I do. I've been coming since I was a kid. My mama... You know, it was the joke that I had a drug problem when I was a kid. My mama drugged me to church on Sunday morning. She drugged me to church on Sunday night. She drugged me on Wednesday. Right? And so while I'm here, well, it's, it's, it's kind of what I do. Right? And, and, and even some other thing. Well, you know what? When I'm here, I feel so good. I feel like this is just a good place to be. And, and that's a great reason. But do you, do you notice something still? There you are again. <laughs> What if, what if we understood, if somebody says, hey, why do you go to church? Well, I, don't, I don't really go to church. I go to worship. And, and what if you say, somebody says, well, why do you go to worship? Well, let me tell you what God has done. The reason why I put God at the center of my life, the center of my worship, is because I know what God has done. Let me tell you what God has shown me. Let me tell you what I've experienced about God. Let me remind you of what I've seen God do in my life and the life of so many other people. See, sisters and brothers, it's too easy to go to church. 
And for too long, I hear, you hear it all the time, you know, we teach our kids how to sit down and be quiet in church. Is that really worship? Now, maybe we've taught our kids to sit down, be quiet, and don't you embarrass me. But have we taught them how to stand in awe of God? Jesus never tells us to train your kids to sit down and be quiet in church. But we are told to train them to know the awesome and the beauty and the wonder of God. Sometimes people say, oh, you got to to go to church. People these days, they don't respect church. They come in here and they're talking and they're laughing. You need to sit down and be quiet and be reverent. Maybe. But if we're reading Scripture, you know, that's only one way to worship. If you read Scripture, there's plenty of other ways to worship. You read through these Psalms and they talk about worshiping God with loud symbols. You know what symbols are? Loud. There's nothing reverent about a symbol. I know. I used to play them. But it's a way that we worship. Scripture tells us we shout with joy sometimes. And what we have to understand is that all of that together is our worship of God. All of that together helps point us to the awesomeness and the beauty of God. Are you all with me? So I'm going to pray and I hope you'll join me in praying. I'm going to pray for us to stop going to church. The truth is, people have stopped going to church already. You know, it used to be that you could, you know, depend on seeing a family who was committed, a family that, you know, it was their tradition. It was, you know, you could count on them being there uh, for church three Sundays out of the out of the month. That was the, you know, the 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 average. Well, now that average has gone down. It's about 1.2 Sundays a month now. That's what our commitment looks like. And I think part of that is because. We're just going to church. I think we need to stop just going to church, y'all. I think we need to be reminded of how awesome God is. I think you need to think back in your mind to some of the ways that you've experienced the grace and the power and the love of God. Instead of going to church, let's stand in awe of God. Stop inviting people to come to church with you. Hey, yeah, come to my church. We sit down and we listen to a big-headed guy talk. Ooh. Ooh, sign me up. Sorry, John. They said, oh, you thought I was talking about me? What? Come on. (laughs) Two for one. That's right. (laughs) Stop inviting people to church. Maybe invite people to learn how awesome God is. Maybe invite people to experience the grace of God. Maybe for some of them for the very first time. Let's worship the awesome God we serve. The God that has been gracious to us. The God that has helped us. And the God that is like no other God. So this is what I want you to do. And this is in keeping with what we've been doing and what we'll continue to do the next several weeks. Uh, there in your bulletin there, you should have a, a card in there. It looks just like this one here. Let me first remind you, if you're a guest this morning or if 
you have another church. We have no expectation that you're doing this, right? We want you to know, though, what kind of church we're trying to be. And so this is our commitment card for this week, week three, worship. And the question asks, are you ready to grow in your worship life? Now, part of me struggles with this because some of you know worship is not a building. It's not about a day. It's not about a time. We worship God every day when we pay attention. But there is something meaningful that happens when we gather as the body of Christ in one place together. And so part of what we're talking about now is our commitment to share in our worship together as the church on Sunday mornings. And so I'm going to read through the different responses and you begin asking God what your response will be. Are you ready to grow in your worship life today? The first response reads, I'm not ready to make a commitment to worship regularly. I will attend worship three to six times a year. I will at least attend worship once a month. I will attend worship twice a month. I will attend worship three times a month. How about this one? As my health permits, I will never miss worship. And finally, worship will be a priority in my life, growing to include the following. I will be passionate about worship as a true priority of my life. Dreary weather, sports, holidays, or vacations will keep me from attending worship. I will prepare the day before so that I can arrive at worship without last-minute rushing. I will warmly greet those who sit around me and ensure that all guests are welcomed with Christian love. I will surround my friends and family with worship and continually invite others to worship God with me. Through worship, I will seek to find strength, power, and direction to face the week as I encounter God in word and sacrament. And what we've asked you to do, sisters and brothers, is just be mindful of where you are. When it comes to worshiping together, what does that look like for you? And remember, I'm not asking you to think of the perfect answer, what you think the pastor wants you to say. There's nothing like that at all. We aren't going to compare notes with other people. I just need you to be honest about where you are, And if you're willing to take one step. For example, there's one on here that says, I will attend worship once a month. You know, someone who attends all the time, every Sunday, they may look at that and think, well, how can you only come once a month? But I want you to realize if someone is not going to church and then they decide to be in worship at least once a month, that's a pretty big step. And that's all we're asking is that you would ask God to help you take one step forward and that eventually, one step at a time, we're going to see just how far God has led us. So you'll take just a few more minutes to complete your card. Please write your name on that. So, And I meant to tell you this before. You need to write your name on that. Again, not because we're comparing notes and saying, you know, later on we give these cards back to you so that we can remind you of the commitment you make. And when we send them back, I don't say, where have you been? Or No, it's just, it's a reminder. Hey, God was asking you or nudging you to do this. And you can just decide what to do with it when you get reminded. So if you'll take just a few moments.
And here's what I'd like to do, sisters and brothers, just for simplicity's sake. We're not going to have you come up once and then come up again later. Just hold on to your card. In just a few minutes when we uh, serve communion, when you come forward, you can uh, leave your card here. Um, But I am going to ask you to think about what you know about God and how you have, have experienced God. Then I'm going to ask you to take these moments to pray with me. Oh God of life, you have been good to us. You have revealed your love to us in Christ Jesus. You have set us on a way of abundant life and eternal life. And God, we are grateful for the ways in which we can experience your love and your power and your grace each day we have breath. We're thankful, Lord, for these times that you give us to consider our walk with you and what you want our faith to look like and to be. And as we are here, God, preparing our hearts to receive this most gracious gift, this reminder of your love, this mystery, God, that you have before us that works in our hearts in powerful ways, Holy Communion, God, as we prepare to receive this now, first we know that we should seek your forgiveness. And church, this is the moment for you to think about those things maybe you've done or thought or said, or been a part of, that you know are not from God. And what we ask, Lord, as we confess these things to you, that as your word has promised us, you would forgive us. And as we receive your forgiveness, God, that you would make our hearts new and rededicate us, God, to your holy will. To bring us joy, to bring us hope again, and to bring us new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.